The thoughts, views, beliefs, and opinions expressed in this program are not necessarily those of our affiliate networks. Something standing behind me, just gigantic glowing eyes. Shadow Initiative with Rick and Steven. Hey, Steve, how you doing? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. I'm in a great mood. Got a bunch of cool Star Wars stuff the other day. I, I, I saw that. I've, I've, I'm even, you know, I hadn't even told you this because I'm. it's just super exciting, but okay. we, we are now sponsored by Star Wars Grogu Cereal. Ooh, you know what? I have not. I've, I've only watched the first two episodes of this season's Mandalorian and I have been working diligently to not have anything spoiled. I know what happens in the last episode. I know who shows up, yeah. but it's like I'm trying to find time to be able to watch the show and I haven't been able to. I wish they, and this would not be a spoiler out there, um, I wish they would have done that part just a little bit differently so they could have really used the person. Right, you know, right. because this uh, this whole like the second Tron movie that just killed me. That killed me. That that whole fake face thing. I just yeah, but you know that that, that was that was a new technology, and they've they've really upped their game on uh, on doing that yeah. nowadays. I'm hoping I'm hoping down the road in the Mandalorian there is some sort of time jump to maybe where they jump and then come back and then jump and come back, kind of like. Uh, some of these other shows do, where they can okay. use the real actor or actress. <laughs> you know, right, that right. that would be cool, man. That would be that cool. would be cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've heard that they're going to that they're trying to get Sebastian Stan, who is mm-hmm. pretty much a dead ringer oh, for yeah. Mark Hamill. That would be oh, great. Yeah. And I also read, and I wish Harrison Ford would. Um, I wish he would just do this, man, for fan service, but. Mm-hmm. Considering the success of Mandalorian, um, Disney approached him with doing an Indiana Jones series like that. 
Okay. Oh my God, that would just make my day. Yeah, I Indiana mean, Jones was was great. He's my guy, man, uh, and that that would be great. But he don't want to do TV. But it's like yeah. it's, it's not really TV. I mean, they're just taking his face and you know feeding it into a computer and then you know. Well, no, they were saying they wanted to do it with him as is, as he is now. Oh. Like, like, yeah, like the old Indiana Jones Chronicles type thing, you know? Because you Mm -hmm. remember the young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Did you ever watch those in the 90s? Yeah, I watched a couple episodes. Harrison Ford was in it, you know, and he would kind of introduce the episodes sitting in a rocking chair with an old beard, and he would tell the stories about his childhood, you know? But they want to do it with kind of what what is old indie doing now? And I think it would be great because they could tap these old stories that they were going to make into movies and use those because Temple of Doom wasn't supposed to be Temple of Doom. It was supposed to take place at a haunted Scottish castle. And he was looking, yeah, looking for a certain artifact in this haunted Scottish castle. Because, you know, Indiana Jones is always revolved around something supernatural. Sure. You know, and that would be that would be cool to see. And that's something an old Indiana Jones could go do, you know? Yeah. Temple of Doom just was uh, terrible. But, you know, hey, this is a nerd show, but not that kind of a nerd show. Um, this is a... This, <laughs> this is a nerd show. Well, actually, that, that does fit in. This is a nerd show about ghosts and the paranormal. And, you know, Steve, today we've we've done a few episodes where it's just you know you and i boring mm-hmm. the uh shit out of people while they listen to what to what we think and what we have to say you know especially you boring them right but uh right. <laughs> so but today we have our very first guest on the show our inaugural guest and uh we're going to be joined in a little bit by ann massey all the way from limerick ireland this uh, this should be a really great show. She's definitely a very accomplished person, not only mm-hmm. in the field of the paranormal, but also in the field of uh, writing and being an author, and uh, even in a you know partaking in Irish tourism. So we're going to be talking to her, and it's going to be a really great show. I I'm I'm excited because when you, when you and I first started talking about doing this show, that was like first on the list. We've got to do guests. We've got to bring right. on unique people. You know, not necessarily always the celebrity type, just unique people we respect in this field that are doing good things. And uh, I'm excited because it's the maiden voyage, you know, of our yeah. first our first guest. So it's it's right. it's the Massey maiden voyage. The Massey maiden voyage. And what's really great is is that one of the things that we're going to be talking to her about is her book Dark Emerald tales you know these of course are all the legends and the stories of of ghosts and monsters and hauntings in her uh, native ireland and uh you know we have kind of like a weird idea of um irish legends in this country and we have you know of course the lucky charms leprechaun to thank for that and we also have uh the disney movie darby o'gill and the little people which starred sean connery back in the 1960s mm-hmm. it kind of gave us this idea of that these uh beings the the banshee and the leprechaun and the uh the the uh, fae the the fairies that they are these you know these cute little guys that are running around and causing all kinds of mischief but no it is actually much darker and much more involved in that so we're gonna get the uh we're gonna get the information straight from the uh, horse's mouth on this one 
Hey, and you know, I I will not tell Anne you just referred to her as a horse. Oh. Okay. This Even is though she, an expression. You know, she will probably watch this and see. I just note that wasn't Stephen Lancaster. That was Rick Hale. Again, his address is coming across the screen there. <laughs> oh my god! You know, I I can't wait to get all the fan hate mail. Uh, that's that's always great yeah. to get. Um, but yeah, and and one of the other things that we're going to be talking about with her are Irish vampires. Now, you never really think of vampires when it comes to Ireland, but apparently there are a number of uh, stories in Ireland dating back centuries, if not thousands of years, concerning blood-sucking beings from beyond the grave. So we'll be talking about that as well. Yeah, I just hope that that particular segment doesn't suck. Uh <laughs> Look, These are the jokes, ladies look, and gentlemen. I, I got to get it out. I got to get it out before our guest comes on. You know, I, I may lay out one of my dad jokes, and she might be like, see you guys. I didn't realize, you know. Right. But it's right, going to be right. kind of cool because it's kind of it's going to be a, a round table, so to speak, of the states mm -hmm. and across the pond of authors in the paranormal field. Yeah. Absolutely. Authors and investigators. So this is uh, what a great way to kick off um, our special guest. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited too. She's uh, she's a, she's a really cool person, and I chat with her quite a bit through uh, you know things like Facebook, and um, I think definitely a good fit for our first guest. I agree, and of course, guys, like you know, every other week we're doing a special guest. So next week. Um, we'll be back to our regular format with Rick Hale's Ghost Watch and Creature of the Week and Haunted Salvage and, you know, our pictures and videos and stories of, of our investigations. Um, but we're not going to cloud up uh, an episode with a special guest with that stuff. We want, right. we want um, our special guest right front and center. Um, Correct. But I did want to ask you, Rick, because it's something I want to sure. talk about on a future show. Have you okay. heard of this randonautic... Randonautica app. Have you heard of this? I have not. Okay, apparently this is a big thing, and I can't take credit for it. Okay, Terry Koenig, who runs the One Step Closer to Madness Network, um, okay. he, he airs our show in um, podcast format. Okay. And uh, you've probably seen him around. We do a commercial for him here. Yeah, uh, we do. He brought it up to me, and he's like, have you heard of this thing? So I started researching it, and there's all these conspiracies behind this app that it's like being operated for sex trafficking and tracking people mm -hmm. down but long story short what this app does is it knows your location you give it access to know your location okay okay and then you you tell it to go onto an adventure and it's going to take you somewhere so it picks an area maybe within like a mile or two from you and okay. you go to this area and then when you get there weird stuff starts to happen like youtube this man like people okay. have filmed some weird things there's been deaths involved well i decided to download the app this morning and try it because we had to run out and well you know hey if it's on youtube it must be true it's gotta be especially this show even well i had to try this for myself and i want to experiment okay. with it on our next show with you and me doing it right here live in front of people um, okay it took us to bojangles and I'm sitting there, like, looking, okay, where's this weird stuff? And no sooner did, did we stop, all of a sudden, fire trucks, ambulance, cop cars. I'm like, whoa, what are the chances? Like, how did right, it know right. that? How did it know that, man? 
But that's something we're going to try on this show um, the next week and see if you and me can get this thing to take us to a place that has a ghost. I am definitely, and it's Randonautica. Randonautica, yeah, it's. I'm going to have to check that out. Got to check this out, man. But hey, guys, Absolutely. look, we're at that time. We're gonna we're gonna take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, our very special guest, Miss Ann Massey, she's going to take us down the haunted trail of hauntedness. <laughs> <laughs> it's lack of a better term. Yeah, you know, use the thesaurus. Make a better slogan. I don't know. But guys, stick around and we'll be right back. Check out the One Step Closer to Madness Network for paranormal podcasts, conspiracies, horror, and more. Like them on Facebook at facebook.com slash one step closer to madness. All right, joining us all the way from uh, Limerick, Ireland, she is the author of Dark Emerald Tales, the Ireland editor for Spooky Isles, and a writer of Dark Gothic tales let us welcome to the shadow initiative and massey hi ann how are you doing just fine thank you it is a it is my utmost pleasure to welcome you to the show because we've been talking for a couple of years now because we're both on the same uh uh um publishing i know that i'm mispronouncing that and mandy constantly gets on me about that (laughs) but uh it's 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 the best that i can do so welcome to the show and thank you so much for coming on it's my pleasure. Delighted. Great. So, and you know, something that I always like to ask somebody whenever we have, with, you know, with other shows that I've had, what exactly was it that sparked your interest in the unexplained and the inexplicable? A combination of a mother telling me not just tales, but ghostly accounts from the earliest I remember was when I was about four. Right. She's an O'Connor, so that's Banshee territory. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, so from literally from the time I was reading books and stories, I was getting told accounts at the same time. Um, so I learned from a very early age about separating the fiction from the supernatural, if you like. And of sure. course it helped that I grew up in a really cool Victorian mansion that was like straight out of Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Uh, we had the I am jealous. We had the cellars. We, oh my God, we had the outhouses. All the kids came to our place for Halloween. And we used to do this brilliant thing where there was, I don't know how many flights of stairs from top to bottom. It was actually, it sounds posh, it is. it was separated into three apartments. Okay. But they were massive. But they worked it around all the original stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is back in the um, kind of 70s, 80s. Right. And um, we would li- we would do this game where we'd go up to the top of the main staircase where the servants' quarters would have been, and somebody would sit on the steps down to the cellar, and acoustics were brilliant, everything echoed as you could imagine, and um, we'd start telling ghost stories, and the winner would be the one that would sit on the step the longest without screaming and running. Yeah. So yeah, so 
literally from the moment I could read a book and tell a story, that's where my fascination came in. Right. You know, I think I think that I think that happens with a lot of us that are in this field that um, we have these um, interesting experiences at an early age, and then it just sort of, you know, goes off into adulthood, and it just uh, just seems very natural in that respect. I think, um, and it shows that it wasn't my go-to when you asked the question. Um, I'd say I was having paranormal experiences from very early on, as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. But because of the way my mum was raising us, we were taking them in our strides. Like, I can actually still, to this day, picture seeing an image of my nana out on the street uh, okay. in our home when we were uh, living in Kent at that time. And she'd passed away here in Ireland. And um, I didn't bat an eyelid. It was like, hi, nana. And then in I went. And that was it, you know. Yeah. So um, I, I think being Irish, we tend to take it a bit more matter of factly and in our stride. Right. I think the most because our entire heritage and culture is based on passing down these accounts, and they are accounts. They're not stories to most people. They're accounts. Right. So this 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 is a very uh, very real very true thing to you yeah yeah right it's um now i have this thing where obviously uh, stuff goes off on a tangent mm -hmm. folklore is primarily folklore but the one thing not just through gut instinct for me but through all my research and talking to family members over the years it's okay every grain of folklore every grain of um a ghost tale Mm -hmm. Starts with a bit of truth. Correct. Yeah, that's so what I've always I like found. So I find that bit of truth and work it. Now, depending on what I'm writing, will I be more flowery and more storytelling, or will it be factual? But I always like to start with that grain of truth. Whether it was finding out could somebody really have died in this particular location in the 13th century no it was actually built in the 15th century so no that probably didn't happen that kind of thing right. but you know at the end of the day a lot of it is storytelling it's a grain of truth there sure now you know one of, one of the things that i really wanted to touch on is um your book dark emerald tales um these are you know very dark stories uh, from uh, of your native Ireland. You know, here in the United States, we kind of have a uh, skewed idea of, uh, of Irish um, legends. I, I know in my own family, on both sides of my family, they both came from Ireland um, and Wales. Now, my grandfather used to tell us stories when he was a kid that his clothes were stolen by a leprechaun <laughs> when he was a kid in Cincinnati. <laughs> And, uh, it, you know, it, it, and did I believe him? Yeah, of course I did at the time because it was my grandfather telling the story. But we kind of like had this idea in the United States of these legends and stories. And they're so much darker, especially when you go to your website or read your book. Uh, these stories are so much darker. Yeah, yeah. I mean, your, your, your family there talking about the having the clothes stolen uh, you could just as easily come across uh, so people don't realize there are loads of different kinds of leprechauns mm -hmm. you know um, 
uh, the worst one for me is called the Far Darek or the Red Man. Okay. And he would go beyond stealing your clothes. He would actually torment you and make you live a waking nightmare to the point where you think your skin was being peeled off your body and your bones dragged through the night and then suddenly you'd be snapped out of it and he'd be gone away laughing. That was his kick. Do you know? Yeah. So having your clothes taken was pretty mild. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, so, and again, people think the fairy folk, no, the lovely little fairies. No, 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 no. It's See, when I was a kid, when, when when I was a kid growing up, we we were it was insisted upon that we either use the term fae, good people, or the gentry. We were not allowed to say the fairy folk. Yeah, we're, we're a bit more, I suppose, um, tradition would have it to call them the fae or the little folk or the gentle people. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'd still be, especially in rural areas, they'd be more inclined. Um, but... Generally, if fairy folk is fine, you know, no, nobody's been stolen away from their bed in the dead of the night for saying word fairy for the last couple of hundred years that I know. But, um, <laughs> that I know all, I mean, you know. But we also, it's divided. It's seely and unseely. So your seely are, are like your um, delightful witch of the north in Wizard of Oz, you know, the god, fairy godmother, lovely fairies, you know, keeping the flowers going, whatever. Sure. The ones that interest me and, and you would be the unsealing. They're, mm-hmm. they're like the Sith of, of the Star Wars world, right? They are dark and nasty. And mm-hmm. from stealing your soul to making you walk in endless circles until you die of hunger, you know, and they are yeah. the ones that come sour and stuff that the little bread and milk has left on the doorstep for. They're the reason that whole um, highways have been rerouted so mm-hmm. you're not going over a fairy fort or cutting down a fairy tree and I, I've, I've proven this time and time again the most kind of certain of sceptics will not take a branch of a fairy tree right just right. in case so it really that kind of element is instilled that is why even particularly in rural areas today um you have the likes of um the slua or the fairy host they're a, an evil uh, bunch that literally they're so tainted hell won't accept them and they just okay. ride on the wind from the west to try and get um more souls to steal, so they look for the dying, which is why in Irish houses you'll find that windows are closed to the west and mirrors are covered just to protect the soul from the likes of the the slua or or right. even the doulahan. Yeah. So this so this is a perfect time. What we're going to do is we're going to take a break, and then when we come back, we'll, we will talk a little bit more about these uh, ancient tales of darkness from Ireland. So everybody. Please stick around, and we'll be back in a couple minutes. You are watching the Shadow Initiative with Stephen and Rick, and our special guest, Ann Massey. Get with the goat and sell your soul at the Cut Your Heart Out design and fashion store. 
Visit cutyourheartout.threadless.com to discover everything horror, dark, and occult related when it comes to walking with the shadows in style. Browse her art and find some sinister offerings to fill your home, spirit, and wardrobe. Greeting cards, blankets, clothing, masks, and everything your wicked heart desires. Cutyourheartout.threadless.com And be sure to like them on Facebook at facebook.com slash cutyourheartout.fashion If you are dead on the inside, wear it proudly on the outside. Well, I, I just want to say that prior to you coming on to the show, and we're back, by the way, because I want people to see this, is Rick was getting on to me about talking geek stuff and how the show's strictly paranormal, and within five minutes you drop a Star Wars reference. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good job we can't see the full room. Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars. Rory Gallagher, Star Wars, yeah. Oh <laughs> Rick, my gosh. Rick, we attract these people, man. <laughs> See, it's it's a nerd trifecta. <laughs> so, hey, hey, everybody, thanks uh, thanks for coming back, and thanks for uh, continuing to join us here at the Shadow Initiative TV with Stephen and Rick, and we are still talking to Irish expert in legends and myths. And Massey, hey, and thank you for so much for sticking around. Excellent. Lovely to still be here. Across the pond. <laughs> as as they say. So yeah, I wanted to you know cover a little bit more with some of these dark Irish tales. Now, whenever it comes to vampires, two of the greatest authors of vampire fiction come from Ireland, of course being Bram Stoker and Sheridan Le Fanu, uh, respectively the authors of Dracula and Carmilla, which are two of my favorite uh, all-time stories but you know it uh, they oftentimes say that they got their inspiration from this um um eastern european aristocrat who you know didn't really suck blood but like did like doing an awful lot of killing but their inspiration came a, from a lot closer to home and ireland has got some major vampires oh gosh yeah i mean if we start back uh we're going back to like I think memory sixth, seventh, could even be fifth century. Uh, Avachuk would be the first one that comes to mind in Derry. He was a particularly mean and nasty uh, chieftain. Mm -hmm. So he'd be like a, a high king of that area. And um, if his enemies didn't slay him, his neighbours would. And in the end, uh, he died in battle. And they buried him and they said, good riddance. Mm -hmm. Wasn't good enough. He got out of that grave. He came back. He drank <laughs> the blood of his servants to revive him. Went back into battle. They're like, sub this. No, all of them ganged up on him, killed him again. It's very kind of Rasputin-like. Uh, then put him back in the ground again. Nope. Up he comes again, back even angrier slaying more people so in the end they had to consult with uh druid high priests okay. who, basically, who basically said stick them in the ground um and you through the heart pin him so down. is this is is this a is this a pre-christian legend kind of just before so it was where it was all just coming about 
because mm-hmm. um, that's that's another thing that I find is when you get to a certain period in Irish history that the Christian and the pagan intertwine. Yeah. Um, so picking them apart is not always the easiest. Um, but for here, I, I I stick with the fact that it was probably pre-Christian. I'd okay. be happy with that. Um, and um, on the advice, he was skewered with the U mm-hmm. um, and, and into the ground and a heavy stone put upon him uh, to hold him down, which seems to have done the trick. Mm-hmm. But uh, maybe not so much with the Derrick Jew in Waterford. Yeah, the Derrick... You know, the, the, the first time I was ever introduced to that word... Um, it was a uh, series of books that I read back in the 80s, and it was about an Irish-American police officer who was a daring do. And uh, that kind of, you know, set off my interest in this uh, particular vampire. And, you know, it's it's a lot different than, you know, obviously an Irish-American police officer. So what what is the significance of the daring do? This was one of those instances where it was um, pure rage and a need for vengeance that drove her mm-hmm. uh, the background was she was the daughter of a chieftain in waterford um and to all intents and purposes quiet um having interest with with locals father sold her off to a, a very nasty rival chieftain uh he got all the money and land for it she was miserable um locked herself away, refused to eat a drink before she was even cold of dying from malnutrition. He'd taken another wife. Um, She was unceremoniously buried with no one virtually in attendance uh, because they were all too busy carrying on their lives and she didn't matter. Mm -hmm. And uh, the legend has it that even though a local suitor visited her grave every day and put a red rose upon it, that wasn't what got her out on the ground. On the anniversary of her death, she crawled from there. Uh, the way it's described, it would be like Buffy-like rising from the grave with the hand up, you know. And, yeah. And um, going back and using seduction to get young men and draining their blood for revitalization. You know, blood is life. And... Um, Go setting about destroying everyone that hurt her. And again, they put her back in the ground, rocks on her. Uh, she was supposed to be watched every night. She'd still get out. They, they finally buried her under Strongbow's tree, but legend would have it, she can still get out if the move takes her. Um, vengeance is a strong motivator, whether it's ghost stories, folklore, legends, real life. Vengeance is a much stronger motivator than any other emotion, I think. Go ahead, Rick. No, go ahead, Steve. I was just going to, you know, just for our viewers, because they're here for educational purposes most of the time, and in my horrible jokes. But anyway. uh, Dead jokes. (laughs) You know, vampirism, most people, when they think of a vampire, and they they think of that stereotypical blood-sucking only comes out at night, kill it with a stake, vampire. But in the paranormal field, I've read a lot about, and maybe maybe you know a lot about this as well, uh, psychic vampires. 
to where they're they're draining your energy and reading your thoughts. It's not necessarily the bite on the neck kind. What are what are your thoughts thoughts on that kind of vampirism? I think I'd, I'd agree with you to agree. I think vampirism is becoming more and more a generic term to cover anyone that drains your life force, whether it's physical, mental, emotional. Um, there's still more tales in Ireland of, of the blood kind, but there are, are things like the, the cat she, which is a folklore, um, or, or cat sith, oddly enough, sith, we call it here, but um, in, in Scottish Gaelic, it, it's sheen here, it's sith, um, where it's deemed to be um, a witch that basically, when she gets to the to save herself, can transform into this cat. And it's the whole tale of where the nine lives comes from as well. Really? Um, well, it's mm. one of the one of the um, prongs of where that tale comes from, because as you know, you can source things a lot of, of, a lot of ways. Uh, sourcing from when a particular witch was, it was at the ninth try at taking her life. Um, and she transformed into this cat. And that is said to, uh, if it appears, bring on feelings of depression and morbidity and, and basically drain your, your life force. So, so yeah, I'd agree with you that that's, that's a, a, a strong contender as another source of vampirism. Yeah, you know, when you talk about the the psychic vampirism and um, uh, draining the life force of people, it, it's, it's sort of remarkable how there seem to be legends of these creatures from all over the world. You know, a, a creature like that is the uh, Chinese Ching Shi. And, yeah. and yeah, that was, a, you know, again, an animated corpse out for vengeance and would suck your chi through your nose. Yeah. And you also have, of course, the blood-sucking variety, which you can find in pretty much every single culture around around the world. I myself believe that I have, uh, that I worked once with a psychic vampire. Whenever I was around this person, I would always feel very tired and sort of depressed and uh, didn't want to, um, sort of like lack that motivation from you know when I, when I was around this person but this um you know these these legends that seem to be shared around the world with vampires um do you think that i mean let, let's let, let me just ask you this do you think that vampires are real that this is a real being that comes from the grave and sucks your blood. I mean, I know myself, you know, I've been, in, you know, involved with the uh, goth subculture for a very long time. Oh. Vampires are very popular. Never met a real one. But do you think that there's any truth to this? No, I'm going to draw a parallel with the vampire story like that and say, for argument's sake, um, the Old Testament, where a lot of it, they're analogies. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now even going back to my Catholic schooling and my uh, religious education teacher was a, was a former priest and he's there and he's telling us, look, we're going to be studying these, you're going to be tested on these things, but let's remember a lot of these are parables, they're just anecdotal to try and explain the way a person behaves. Okay. Um, which, which kind of... Uh, that, that kind of increased my uh, likelihood for a bit. 
for following more of the theological side of things that way as well, and where did it all manifest from? And I do think they tie together that way, that a lot of these are ways to describe people. Now, we know that the likes of Vladimir Paley that actually done all the things, you know. Sure. We know there were really bad chieftains mm -hmm. uh, in Irish history that, that done catastrophic things. But do I right. believe that they really actually climbed from the ground of a night? Probably not. Okay. So with that, what we're going to do is we are going to take another break. And uh, when we come back, we're still going to be talking to Anne Massey. And, uh, you know, Anne, when we come back, I want to uh, start talking about some of the more famous haunted places and uh, your work in tourism. So everybody stick around. We're going to be right back. This is Shadow Initiative with Stephen and Rick, and we are talking with Anne Massey. Looking for unique handcrafted gifts or accents for your home, office, family, or friends? Check out Shadow Creations, your one-stop custom shop for one-of-a-kind designs for the eclectic mind. Unparalleled Creations by Christina. Like Shadow Creations on Facebook at facebook.com slash cflancaster and stay up to date on her daily releases available to you and easy to find at etsy.com slash shop slash motley by christina shadow creations a little motley a little curious a little bit different browse shadow creations at etsy.com slash shop slash motley by christina all right, my friends, you are back to Shadow Initiative, Paranormal TV with Rick Hale, myself, Stephen, and the lovely Ann Massey is joining us this evening. And Rick, you were saying, take us in. Let, let, what, what did we say earlier? Let Ann take us down the haunted path or something like that? Yeah, some very, very dark hauntings. So, Ann, now you work in the uh, tourism field in Ireland, correct? That's correct. So, when you have people when you have people on your tours or when you set up tours do you have a lot of people that say to you hey like take for example you get people here from the united states do they ever say to you oh hey we want to go to a haunted place in ireland yes and it happens a lot more than you think and mm -hmm. from the people you wouldn't think um you know you'd be setting up say for example with setting up a, a limo tour of Ireland. These people want to go and stay in castles because of their grandeur and everything else. And they'll say, but can you make sure at least two of them are haunted? <laughs> yeah. And you're like, okay. But also can you make sure it has air conditioning? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with all that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, they do. And the numbers are increasing. Mm -hmm. we're finding and we're even from an educational perspective um tours of students want to get taken to places where they can combine the history and the paranormal so for example Ch uh, charleville castle in county yeah, yeah. which we've invested one of my favorite ourselves yeah that's a fantastic location uh everyone wants to go to let castle of mm -hmm. course um course. yeah and um even for the, the the private itineraries and stuff I do, uh, one of the most interesting ones actually was um, a woman that found me on the internet because she's Massey and I'm Massey, she's from New Jersey, and wanted okay. to do uh, 
bring family over for an Irish roots tour. And uh, she was blown away when we found out she, she's Limerick Massey, same as myself. And oh. that she's related to um, that we ended up having the lands at the Hellfire Club in Dublin. Um, yes. And so I wanted to go over that one. That blew Sorry. her away. So, and that was it. We had to restructure the entire tour. <laughs> <laughs> we had to restructure the entire tour just to fit that bit in. So, um, so yeah, they do. They really... But at the same time, they don't want to be frightened out of their wits. They just... I think a lot of the time people want to say that they've been to somewhere and the idea of actually coming face to face with an entity or a paranormal experience uh to coin a phrase scares the bejesus out of them right i've had that backfire on me i've had that backfire i used to give lectures at um a scottish restaurant we've covered it on this show rick um yeah and uh the woman who owns it's actually from scotland she came over to the states and opened this restaurant well i used to do these paranormal lectures and I would talk about the particular room because there's an inn that's at the restaurant where you can stay and, and eat and blah, blah, blah. And I would talk about this particular room and it started to get so bad that after the lecture, these people would ask, they would check out. They wouldn't even go back to the room. So finally, finally, Miss Iris said to me, look, leave that part out from now on. <laughs> it's funny because the, the people in Ireland uh, more so they see it's a challenge. Um, I, I done uh, we done uh, myself and, and Dominic, my other half, and part of uh, Irish Paranormal Investigations. We we stayed at Bally Cedar Castle last Halloween down in Tralee, and uh, wrote a piece uh, for Spooky Old. Mm -hmm. And obviously it went up and it went bananas. And it was all Irish people. We have to stay here. We have to stay here. Tag your mate. Come on. We have to book in here now. I'm so glad I'm getting married here now. And then, like you said, you'll get the other extreme where they'll be like, we're gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when, when you do these tours, have you ever had anybody have a, um, a significant enough experience that turned them from a skeptic to a believer? Good question. Yeah, that wouldn't be so much on the tours um, because there'd be so many people around and it wouldn't be primarily paranormal investigation. Um, but any uh, public investigations we've done, the amount mm -hmm. of uh, people that have come in and gone, right, I'm just here to prove there's nothing here. Yeah. And, um, do you know, the first... Um, one that springs to mind for me was a, a night at Loftus Hall. Ah, Loftus Hall. Yeah, I've, I've written about Loftus Hall for Paranormal Underground magazine. That yeah. is a place where legend and hauntings just come together. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, uh, it, it's a hard to describe it. You stand it. It's just, there's just something dark. You know, like Let Castle... I was surprised how homely it was until you <laughs> kind of went into the older part of the castle. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's some time because I'd be, I suppose, what you term an empath. So I can okay. very much pick up on an energy as soon as we get to a place. I mean, I've gone into castles and Ireland and I'm like, there's nothing here, like nothing. Right. And, um, but Loftus is, and 
I've seen grown men run screaming that have said they're only here with the girlfriend or, you know, they where something significant, like there was one time I can actually remember where a voice, just guttural voice coming out over walkie talkies mm-hmm. um, and yet no one was wrapped into them in any other room. Um, and at the Hellfire Club as well, we, we've had people up there, we take them around and um, yeah, when the, the darker stuff starts to happen, it's amazing how much a believer suddenly appears out of this big skeptic. Sure, sure. But I think yeah. it is a case where you have to see something. Now, we're still at a stage with our team. We call them anomalies. Okay. Yeah, if you're writing, it's different. Sure. Because, you know, you're engaging, and um, it's part educational, it's part storytelling. But as a team, we, we still call them anomalies. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Shane, who's the founder uh, with his wife Nat of our team, um, he's still to this day, despite the unbelievable amount of stuff that's kind of happened, will still say he's a skeptic and still wants the proof. Steve? Uh, okay, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I, with that being said, that's a good segue into what I wanted to ask you. Because um, we've all got it. We've all got that one, that number one. With you being, you know, obviously a writer and all that stuff, tour guide, but you're a paranormal investigator first and foremost. What has been, if you were just to say one now and describe to our audience, the one thing you have witnessed, and it doesn't necessarily have to be on an investigation, just in general, that has just been it. Like, this was the one experience that, hands down, that's it. That that was, you know, you know what I'm getting at. What? What was your best experience, I guess, in favor of the paranormal? There's actually kind of two. One's fairly personal, and then one was with the team. Um, The one in Leck Castle, we were having a ridiculously quiet night. It was really quiet. Like, you know yourself, we'd gone, I don't know, seven, eight hours at this stage, and nothing really was going on. And we were up in the bloody chapel, and, you know, the boys decided... They were going to turn it up a notch. Um, and for those that don't know, Lep Castle uh, is supposed to be the bloody chapel. is haunted by the ghosts of two brothers. Um, it's got a very dark energy because it also houses an Uviette, which is where bodies, people were just thrown and left to rot. Um, brother, slay brother. And there's also something called the Elemental, which is very protective of the lands, the Druidic lands long before Lep Castle. Um, so it's very, very um, dark and protective energies there. And we were up there, and um, myself, Nat, and Jules were on one side of the room, and Dominic, Shane, and Liam were on the other. And the boys were deciding that they weren't being disrespectful, but they were being more, I suppose, want a better word, provocative. Uh, you know, trying to draw out any alpha male presence that may have been there. And it got cold and dark like that. And the next thing, the three of us girls were slammed back against the wall. Um, And each one of us had felt, I can't even describe it, it pure black driving through our chests. It took us a while to recover breathing and everything else. And we, we, we basically crashed and burned for about, geez, I'd say it took myself, 
uh, about an hour, an hour and a half to recover, uh, and the other two girls that would be more um, empath jewels would be more medium-like. Um, it rest of the night was more or less written off for them. It was a real dark shock of energy. Good um, Lord. Yeah, and um, the, the other was more, it's, it's a long story, so I won't go into too much detail, but um, I, I have a son that actually passed away, uh, geez, what was it, 11 years ago this year. Mm -hmm. And um, it was just a couple of days after he died, and we uh, had a box on the landing of his stuff. It was all secured up, it was flat on the floor. And um, we were gonna go down, we were going down to the, the cemetery, um, just to make sure everything was in order. And uh, I was looking, of all things, I was matching, you know yourself, socks out of the, the washing machine, just one wasn't there. And uh, I said, right, sod it, we'll, we'll leave it, be grand, find it later. And the next thing, there was this massive bang from the landing upstairs. And um, the whole box had turned itself 180. Now, it's a square box, there was nothing, no reason for it to turn over. And right at the bottom of everything, under its clear box, was the sock that I was looking for. Oh. And that hadn't been untaped since we brought the stuff back from the hospital. And um, that delayed us going out, as you can imagine, a bit of shock and everything else. And uh, when we went out, um, there's a school just around the corner from me on the way to the cemetery. We're walking along. And... Somebody was coming out of the school entrance and uh, I got a tap of, of the vehicle. They weren't watching where they were going and jumped out apologising. It's actually a friend that we hadn't spoken to since before Daniel passed away. Um, and um, he said, you're the sign. He said, where are you going? I said, down, down to Calvary is the name of the cemetery. He said, um, we, um, he, he does the... Stations of the Cross, they dress up as centurions and everything every year. And he was fighting with the parish about where it should start. They wanted it to start at Calvary. And he said, you're the sign that it should start at Calvary. I'll come down there with you now. Went down. We were late with discussion everything. A woman I'd normally meet, she'd be coming out as I was going in. Mm -hmm. We arrived at the same time. And it turned out her husband was buried beside <clears> my son. And it was some way she was talking to me. I wasn't happy with her state of mind. And um, I contacted the priest and said, look, I'm really worried about her. And he said, I'm glad you rang. She's been ringing here every day. And basically, we stopped her, long story short, from doing harm to herself. Oh, that wow. Her plan. And on top of that, it turns out it turned out to be an estranged cousin of my ex that he didn't even know existed. So that's, so I that's remarkable. Guide us, and there was, and it's funny you should say that. It was about, it was the Christmas after my son had passed away. Uh, my, I had a um, foliage thing right here with lights across the mantelpiece, and uh, we have open fire here, and we'd all gone to bed, and my daughter's friend was staying, and everyone was upstairs. And I'm so glad the daughter's friend was staying because you always want that witness. Yeah. Things. And um, we were lying in bed and there was this God almighty 
crash and I have these two really heavy, um, well, one now, Waterford crystal um, candle, candlesticks on the mantelpiece. And we came in, first thing we spotted was that the foliage thing had fallen out, um, <clears throat> catching fire, embers had come out of the fire. Um, but somehow they'd been pushed away and one of these candles had gone across the room, which was what, was about 10, 15 feet embedded in the wall across the room. It was like it'd been done to get our attention to stop the house burning down. Yeah, that'll definitely get, something like that will get your attention every time. Yeah, yeah, and like I said, I'm just so glad that my daughter's friend was here to witness it, because she'd think it's you going mad. Right. That is a uh, that is a remarkable story, and it's it's amazing how all of that just came together. Yeah, and and that's what I think. I I, I think sometimes we're so busy looking for that one thing, mm-hmm. we miss the stuff that connects. Right. That that's no. I, I, I agree completely. So, with that being said, we're going to uh, we're going to take another break. And uh, when we come back in, you you mentioned the uh, the Hellfire Club. I have always been fascinated with the Hellfire Club. This was a gang of noble bad boys, and their story always needs to be told. So we're going to take a break, and um, when we come back, we're still going to be talking to Anne Massey from Limerick, Ireland, author and writer. So uh, stick around. This is the Shadow Initiative with Stephen and Rick. Do you have proof of the paranormal? Want to see your story and evidence showcased on our show? Email shadowinitiativetv at gmail.com with questions, comments, your paranormal stories, evidence of the paranormal, or just anything you'd like to see on our show. Your story and evidence may appear on Shadow Initiative Paranormal TV. That's Shadow Initiative TV at gmail. And welcome back to the Shadow Initiative TV with Stephen and Rick. We're still talking with uh, Anne Massey. And, uh, you know, Anne, you had mentioned the Hellfire Club. And uh, this was a gang of noble bad boys, uh, extremely naughty for that period. So, uh, you know, you you did a you did actually did a documentary on the uh, Hellfire Club, correct? We did. We did uh, for the Irish Daily Mirror. They joined us um, on a, a night for Halloween um, and went up there and, and filmed an investigation from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was very interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, tell, let her, um, tell our viewers, who was the Hellfire Club and what made them so bad? Okay, well, you have the Libertines that we... Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of socialite bad boys that do kind of what they wanted and sleep with who they wanted and, and mm-hmm. any way they could get their kicks and highs and they'd be safe at this level and then way up here would be the members of the hellfire club that made these guys look like church choir boys okay um, yeah they um they done stuff because they could they had money, they had power, they had connections. And Not much changes over the centuries. Oh, well, isn't that funny? Yeah, and you yeah. wonder how many of them are actually members of a, a, um, 
an underground Hellfire Club these days, whereas back sure. then it was very much. <laughs> <laughs> and um, they would go up to now, contrary to popular belief, they they had a, a Dublin city location. It, it was a pub within the city that they would use, but they would come out to the the Hellfire Club, which was built on Montpellier Lodge. Uh, currently the top of Montpellier Hill um, and they would um, they don't just do the usual they'd gamble, they'd drink, they'd fornicate uh, they'd sacrifice the occasional dwarf you know, as we all do on a weekend out with our friends oh, yeah, definitely, oh, yeah. I know I'm out there sacrificing things just last oh, weekend yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and they would try and invoke the devil and they would have a place for him at the table. Um, they would drink Sculthine, which was a, a rancid butter and alcoholic drink. Or uh, yeah. whether that made them see things and actually want to sacrifice people, I don't know. Um, and, uh, you know, it, legend has it that the devil did show up at the Hellfire Club in Dublin, uh, playing a game of cards. The, the cloven hoof story, as I call it, because it's Loftus Hall as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but ironically, there is a link between Henry Loftus and Loftus Hall and the Hellfire Club as well. So whether that's how the story jumped from one location to the other. Um, but this is one of those folklore legendary tales that's actually a lot of truth. Um, so, you know, I've, I've, I've heard of the Hellfire Club before and I've read, I've read you know, about them. And... Um, you know, they always kind of, like, the things that I've read, they always sort of played off that whole, they were just, you know, guys out for having a good time. There was no real satanic worship or actual, sacri you know, sacrifices that were being made to the devil. But you're saying that's true. Oh, they found bones. They found bones uh, that would be synonymous uh, with, with sacrifice. Um, and the accounts that came down, some of them were verified. Now, they're not all true. Mm -hmm. um, but then you have funny instances uh, like one of the members of the Hellfire Club was a sheriff of Dublin and he was had a mistress called Darkie Kelly down in Fishamble Street uh, she ran a brothel in Dublin City and um, there, was a, there was a tale coming out that she'd fallen pregnant um, and he'd taken the, the, the baby and sacrificed it now there's been no val validation of that particular story. Mm -hmm. However, what did um, come out is that she, a woman scorned, tried right. to take him on, and he's, he's friends of the Hellfire Club. So as Sheriff of Dublin, he accused her of witchcraft. So uh, the law enforcers of the time came into Fish and Street <laughs> and uh, kicked in her door, ready to take her off as a witch, and um, found a few dead bodies in her basement. Uh, she might not oh be a witch, but she was one of Ireland's first serial killers. They wow. <laughs> and because the accusation of witchcraft was still there, mm -hmm. they tied the two together. Of course. And she yeah. was uh, hung in Dublin and her ladies of the night took her down back to the brothel and waked her uh, for 24 hours 
and then she was buried. So to find out she'd been accused as a witch and then go, actually, crap, she's been murdering patrons and taking their money and hiding their, their bodies in the basement. Now, that's the kind of story I like. Hey, yeah, I'm sure that's I'm, definitely I'm, cool. I'm sure Rick does too. You'll have to ask him about his dead hooker one day. We're seriously, we're in episode four, and you're still talking about dead hookers. Hey, everybody else is too. Believe me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you uh, you kind of have to watch uh, uh, the first episode, but yeah, I, uh, I I believe that I took a picture of a uh, of a hooker in a dead hooker, obviously, um, in the Arcata <laughs> Theater in St. Charles, Illinois. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, they do see this, and they're like, yeah, we do see a woman there, and it does kind of go along with the story of a uh, of, of a uh, prostitute who got out of line with one of Capone's boys and was murdered, and her spirit allegedly still haunts this uh, Arcata Theater. But, yeah, that's where that goes. There's, uh, uh, you know, no witchcraft... Involved. I'm like, on, I'm on a very different kind of show than I thought I was going to be on there with dead hookers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned witchcraft. Now, um, here in the United States, of course, we had our own um, uh, witchcraft outbreaks in in Salem, of course. But you know, in in your area of the world there there was a lot more involved with uh, with witchcraft and witch trials and how witches were dispatched you actually executed one of ours as well oh we did in massachusetts yeah goody glover she was actually oh yeah she'd yeah. actually uh her and her husband had been uh, basically kicked out of ireland by cromwell's men mm -hmm. uh, they refused to denounce catholicism uh ended up in jamaica the husband died uh, she went a bit doolally um, and was also very isolated because she couldn't speak very good English. It was mainly Irish or, or Gaelic she was speaking and ended up with a family in Massachusetts. And um, the, uh, they were starting, the, the, the ball was rolling for the witch trials. Mm -hmm. And um, stories were coming out of everywhere. And the girl at this particular house um, took a dislike to Goody, um, real name Anne, for some reason, a lot of them call Goody, um, mm -hmm. totally not relevant for me, but there you go, um, and um, she was accused of witchcraft, and, and the, the man's name escapes me, but he, he was writing a book, um, so he took on it, you know, I can make a name out of this, and ran with it, um, and at her trial, she obviously didn't have a clue what was going on, and um, they asked her to recite the Lord's Prayer in English, which she couldn't do. She could either do it in Irish or, or Latin, because that's all she knew. And sure. on that basis alone, she was a witch. She was executed. And then afterwards, I'm like, oops, sorry, you weren't. And I think there's actually a goodie glove a day in Boston to celebrate her each year now. I did not know that. I'll have to actually look yes. that up. I wasn't but aware of that. You, um, you know, we... We, we hung witches, well, alleged witches in this country. But over in Scotland, Ireland, and England, you they actually, actually burned witches, correct? Burned and hung. Darky Kelly was hung. Um, mm -hmm. um, the, the big one, of course, would be uh, Alice Keitler in, uh, in Kilkenny. She was actually convicted as a witch, but because she'd managed to vanish... She was never 
executed. Um, okay. She used her wiles. You see, I, uh, one of the things I, I've done is lectured on uh, the Irish witch trials. Um, yeah. Whether are they women of sorcery or women of power? Um, and Alice had many big connections, so she was spirited away. Um, whereas her maid was actually burned rather horribly at the stake, Petronella de me. Mm -hmm. And um, just to show the kind of, if you like, the sexism element of the time, Alice's son was convicted of the same crimes as Petronella, exactly the same. Mm -hmm. And his punishment was to go to mass every day for a year. Yeah, and that's <laughs> uh, that uh, obvious, obvious sexism, definitely. Yeah. And it was because the people, so people with some stand here, back then the women of power, the Biddy Earlies, who was very much a healing woman um, and was kind of, the church were like, they're doing no harm, we're turning a blind eye, they're actually doing some good, they're helping the doctors. Even the likes of Alice Keitler, she was running a business. Uh, it was only when it started to affect the level of power certain people were holding. Yeah. Did they get accused of witchcraft? Um, and um, that, that, that's the bit, that's the twist in the tale. Uh, uh, Darkie Kelly is a prime example again. Yeah, she was she wasn't the greatest woman, but she was crossing the most important people in Dublin and paid the price. I mean, the fact that she was a serial killer is a Brucey bonus as far as they're concerned. But, um, All right. Yeah. So uh, with that, we're going to take another break. And there's one more thing that I want to cover with you, Anne, and um, it's it's your own uh, visits here to the United States. So. So everybody stick around. Uh, this is the Shadow Initiative with Stephen and Rick, and we're talking with Anne Massey from Ireland, and um, we'll be right back. Do you enjoy reading about the paranormal? Check out the highly rated literary works from us, the hosts of Shadow Initiative TV. Paranormal investigator Rick Hale offers you the geek's guide to the strange and unusual poltergeists, ghosts, and demons. Bullets, Booze, and Babes, The Haunted History of Chicago and Illinois. And behold, shocking true tales of terror and some other spooky stuff. But if you're thirsty for more, I bring you true case files of a paranormal investigator and dark spirits, a man terrorized by the supernatural. But if you want to go even further, dive deep into the dark reality of haunted dolls check out my paranormal bestsellers norman the doll that needed to be locked away and norman 2 the true story of a possessed doll's revenge available at amazon barnes and noble and wherever fine books are sold hey and thank you for joining uh, our staying with us here at the shadow initiative tv with steven and rick and we're talking to uh, ann massey uh, we've had a really, you know, interesting conversation so far, and you know, learned a lot, and that's what we try to do here at the Shadow Initiative, uh, is try to, you know, not only entertain, but also to uh, teach people about the uh, paranormal. Um, now, what what I wanted to go over with, you know, for, for our last segment with you, I wanted, you wanted to go over with you, you've been here to the uh, United States, and uh, the thing that I wanted to ask you is, obviously there are differences 
um, how we do things as paranormal investigators here in the United States and how things are done over in England. I myself, being a student of um, of that area of the world as far as the paranormal is contained, uh, pertain, but um, what do you think are the differences and what are, you know, some similarities between the two? You're talking about investigating itself or? Yeah, investi in investigating the paranormal. I think here, now you see, I was very fortunate because when we were doing uh, our investigation, our main investigation this year, where are we, 2021, January 2020, we'd done the Morris Jamil Mansion in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. And we were very lucky because the, the guy that was with us, uh, Chris Davalos, um, was is part of the TAPS team. Um, okay. And also was a curator of the Morris Jamil Mansion. So you've got the best of both worlds. You've got someone that understands where they're coming from, but also knew all the history. Because to me, that's so important. You need to know these ones that go in. Oh, I, I want to go in blind. Uh, I don't, well, how do you know if you're validating something? You right. know, exactly. is there actually somebody called Rick there? You know, or, or are you just going to be be thinking you're hearing things? Have some validation. Know where it's coming from. And for me. The one thing, perhaps, now obviously you'd be the one to tell me if I'm wrong, but I, I don't think, as far as America goes, there's an understanding of the layers of history and how one building on a location is not necessarily the be all and, and end all, that there could be layers of history. Now, the Hellfire Club is a prime example of that, it dates back to kind of the dawn of time and it had its own settlements on it, it had its own uh, Druidic and pagan worship on it long before there was any Hellfire Club. And to me and my experience, and I think a lot of us as paranormal investigators know, we appreciate the layers of history mm -hmm. on top of one another. And, you know, the fact that going into a brand new house doesn't mean there shouldn't be any kind of energy there. It depends what it's built on. Sure. Um, whereas... And you see, this is where TV has a lot to answer for, isn't it? Yeah. Um, we yeah. know that all too well. Yeah. Because you see, whereas we'd have been all out, um, you know, exploring locations um, and, and learning about them as we were growing up. Um, and then you, you kind of move more into your paranormal um, comfort zone, if you like, for investigating. So you, you've got a very strong platform before you even begin to go out with with your recorders or whatever else. Um, and I wonder how much of that is missing. Now, that hasn't been my experience, because like I said, with um, with regards to the Morris Jamel Mansion and the stuff, mm -hmm. um, Chris really knows his stuff and knew right. the history before the place was built there and and so on, and, and could validate a lot of the stories that came out that weren't actually true. Um, I don't know. What's your take? What do you think? Well, you know, I do agree with the uh, with the layer upon layer of um, of history. But you know, one of the things that I find um, disconcerting for me, I'm not exactly what you would call a gear guy. Um, I have, I have, like I said, I've always been a student of um, of people like Peter Underwood and uh, Guy Lyon Playfair. I've always been a, a student of um, of British-based psychical research. Yeah. So I believe in doing more of a vigil type of a sit. 
Um, I think it's more organic, and uh, that's that's one of the things that I like about about British ghost hunting. But of course, now with television, because you guys are getting our, you know, uh, television shows over there, and of course, you know, people are starting to use more gear now. Steve, on the other hand, is sitting there with this uh, self-satisfied grin on his face. <laughs> Because Steve really is very much a gear guy, right, right, Steve? No, no. You can come, Rick. Steve, you're not coming. <laughs> Rick, come on over. Come on over. Because we are uh, Irish Paranormal Investigations. We are all about, yeah, take your time. You know your yeah. place. You do your vigil. You listen. You look. You drain it in. Or bring it in. Not drain it in. Bring it in. And then you, we very much about recordings. Mm-hmm. And if you can't hear it on the raw recording, forget it. Right. Hey, don't get, now, don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Rick, Rick likes to paint me as this, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if it's because of the whole dead hooker thing, you know, but he's out to get me because I'm kind of a combination of the two on, on purpose. And that was actually, you guys are, are going in the direction of what my question was is from what I've seen in my 20 years or so of doing this, there is a difference between the UK, you know, across the pond, and here. Here, the paranormal has become a T-shirt at best. It, it's become yes. a joke. You know, these, I actually these, know. Sorry, these shows... I actually know Go ahead. Teams, yeah, new teams coming out that are going out and getting the hats, the T-shirts, the jackets, everything... Before they've even gotten an investigation. Right. And, and that is tremendous waste of money. shows make us look bad. I mean, everybody assumes from watching these shows that that's how me and Rick roll. And that's not how we roll. <laughs> Sorry, and, Rick roll. And, and, you know, that's... <laughs> and, and because the... Never gonna kick you up. The, <laughs> I just Rick rolled Steve. And Steve, I will never bad. give you up. And I will never get you know get you down. I will never run around or desert you. Oh God! Go ahead. Anyway, oh my God! Um, but the UK, you know, cross Atlantic high five for that one. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, the UK, you know, when I was growing up, I spent a lot of time reading and educating myself on everything before I even went out to do anything. I mean, probably ten yeah. years worth of educating myself. And I compare it to like the the guy the the teenager that that sees that famous rock musician and all of a sudden wants to be a rock musician. So he goes and he buys a guitar without taking a lesson or, or studying music theory. And and the UK is you guys and gals embrace it. You embrace. The I'm not in the UK. You, you know, but but you know what I'm saying. Over She's the, in Ireland. There's a difference. Over there, in my redneck voice. Over there it is more open to it, and here it's just it's this commercial fad. That, that's what it's become. It wasn't always like that, but that's what it's become. And that was going to be my question to you, which I think we've just kind of answered: is do you yourself see a difference between the two? And you know, we kind of already went down that that road. Yeah, I I think if if you've been in the field long enough whether it's as an individual when you've joined a team whatever on this side of the water you have a background you have either been reading about it for years studying it for 
however long you've known the stories, you've grown up with it, you've, you've gone out, you know, maybe with your parents or something to locations locally um, to have a look around. Um, so I think in Ireland, that's true of anyone probably. Maybe maybe some of the younger ones are swept up with the, the, the kind of YouTube channels and the fancy gear and everything else. Um, but generally speaking, all the, the teams that I know in Ireland would all start and we're very good at sharing information like and experiences. That's working, you know, there was a time there, as you know yourself, people throw, away, throw around the word para-unity, um, <laughs> where it, it we would talked be about that dog, last week. Dog. But we've actually, we find that, you know, we, we do, uh, the most part, get along. Um, and we're more inclined to share facts and information. And that helps a lot. You know, it's about learning. It's very much a learning process it's not you know i mean it's not all academia not every team is purely now now we're fortunate on our team we have a professional photographer and mm. we have an electrical expert that do it for careers so we we have those kind of things that we can bring in along with my history and folklore and liam another member of the team is, is very much a history buff uh, particularly around like knights templar and freemasons and stuff um but even those that wouldn't have that kind of thing, they want to learn, they want to advance, they want to do better. They don't just want to be show and tell for a, a thousand hits on YouTube. And yeah. that's why I think one of the reasons we're not the biggest when it comes to uh, YouTube channels necessarily or, or, or big, you know, fancy websites, whatever it is, because everyone's out actually trying to do it and trying to experience it. Yeah. You know, we don't have the time to necessarily be sat doing all the rest of the stuff. I tell um, you, and the, the reality of it hit me, and I know I've told Rick this, um, it was about 10 years ago, I went to an investigation, I pulled into the client's house, and the first words out of their mouth were, what time does your camera crew get here? No, that, you never told me that. Yes, that is the, the misconception or misperception, however you want to say it, that people have of us mm -hmm. investigating because of these TV shows. And the worry well, there, sorry, I was just going to say, worry there, because we, we do a lot, a lot of work with private clients that mm -hmm. are really genuinely concerned that something bad is happening in their house. And that's the serious side of this. Forget the education, forget the entertainment. Mm -hmm. There are people that are afraid to put a head on a pillow at night. And um, I think maybe that's what's different here as well. Because when we get a contact from somebody, it's there. Are, if you're contacting a paranormal team, you're at your wit's end. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the normal answers to them aren't there. And for all the cases we've dealt with, and this, you know, they they covered the country. Um, these are people generally scared. They're not in it for fame themselves. They don't want to be plastered all over the place or on camera. They want us to come in quietly, evaluate, and try and tell them that there's a genuine reason for what's happening. Um, you right. know, and a lot of the time we have been able to to debunk for them and reassure them and. 
that's where having an electrical expert and someone that's good with photography and light and, and everything else uh, is able to uh, kind of evaluate for them and say, well, actually, you know, you've got really high uh, EMF readings. It's your wiring. As we know, EMF can create fear and so on. So I, I think here, if someone's contacting a paranormal team, they don't want to be famous. They want to be protected. Right. So I think that that is, uh, I, I could not agree more. And I think there's more of a tradition there in the, in the UK and Ireland. So, Anne, we have come to the point in the show where we must say our goodbyes. However, first we want to give you the chance to shamelessly self-promote. And Stephen <laughs> and I are all about shameless self-promotion. So can you, you know, let everybody know where they can find you, um, your books, your uh, blog, which is amazing. Uh, you know, tell us uh, where we can find Anne. You can find, I, I have one site um, which kind of links off to everything I do because I have my finger on many paranormal pies and others. Um, so darkemeraldmedia.com and uh, I, my Irish folklore is under Dark Emerald Tales. Um, I tend to come up first once you throw that into Google or whatever else. You can find me on Facebook at Dark Emerald Tales and our team is Irish Paranormal Investigations. And of course, mine and Rick's work is at spookyisles.com. Very good. All right. Thank you so much, Anne, for joining yes, us. It has you. been an utmost pleasure, and I'm really okay. hoping that we could have you back again someday. Oh, definitely. It's been great. Thanks, All right. Ian. Thanks, Anne. Cheers now. Bye bye. Every week, one out of four people miss the live broadcast of our show. But all is not lost. You can watch us and Shadow Initiative Paranormal TV on demand for free at youtube.com slash label13videos or facebook.com slash monstervisiontv. Never miss a show and watch when you want to watch. That's youtube.com slash label13videos or facebook.com slash monstervisiontv. Welcome back, my friends. We are about to close out this uh, shenanigan. What a great interview, Rick. That no, she really is. The stories I just... And is, and is the coolest. You know, I'm usually a talker. You know, and it was just, I was so captivated by, by a lot of what she said, that, that rich history and, mm -hmm. and so many good points, guys. Like, like she said, if you're thinking about getting out there and investigating, read, read, know, read. know your, know your history, know the places you're going to, you know, yeah. you know what I, I you know, I, I like what she said about, about, you know, going to these locations blind you don't want to do that you want to know what it is that you're dealing with like one of the one of the uh, groups that i belonged to um years ago which is the McHenry county paranormal research group for whatever reason the leader of the group always had us go in blind and that was one of the biggest concerns that i had and one of the reasons that i left the group was because man you don't want to go in blind you want to know what it is that you're dealing with well i, I agree with that i kind of um like i was talking earlier when you uh, inappropriately mislabeled me as the gear guy. Uh, 
I, I, I would do both with my team. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of the times, I would know what was going on with the place, the history, everything. And then other mm -hmm. members of my team would know nothing. So we had both sides of the fence covered going in. Yeah, you know, that way if somebody on my team said something that didn't know anything and it related to what I did know, that just gave it more validity, you know? Yeah. Well, you, I think that the only person that I would ever leave in the dark, so to speak, would be if I was working with a medium. That mm -hmm. is the only person that I would ever say, hey, look, you're going to go in blind because I don't want to have any, um, you know, to you know, coin a phrase like you said, shenanigans going on mm -hmm. um and i've worked with some you know really impressive mediums um that really came across with some good stuff and considering the fact that i that i've always just done uh private homes it's not like you can go on the internet and look up someplace like you know um luck castle or Pugin's Porch, right, or right you know any number of the places that we have here and around uh, chicago um yeah, I would always do just private homes and never wanted to tell them. And, you know, w w one of them was a, a, a psychic named Nancy Laporta. She's been a good friend of mine for a long time. And um, she never failed to impress. Yeah. Well, guys, we, we definitely hope you enjoyed the first interview. There, there was a little bit of uh, some camera technical stuff there in the beginning, but uh, we got it figured out. Everything worked out. It, it was great. We've got more guests coming. Every other week, we're going to have a special guest on the show. Um, Rick, what are you thinking uh, for next week? Because we're back to our, our normal routine, Paranormal News, Creature of the Week, Rick Hale's Ghost Watch. What, mm -hmm. what kind of theme we going with next time? Well, I think that we should go with hotels because the Hotel. the place that I that we're going to be exploring in Ghost Watch is the Sagamore Hotel in scenic Adirondack Mountains in upstate New York, and um, this place if if you were to say that there was a hotel that was the most haunted hotel mm -hmm. in the United States, this would definitely take it every single time. There are many, many ghosts that haunt the Sagamore, and we'll be taking a look at those when we do uh, Ghost Watch next week. Excellent. So what about Cre Creature of the Week, man? Who do we got for that? Or well, what do we got for that, well, I should well, say? Well, you know what? I did I did it last week, you know, <laughs> with the Nyon, the Chinese New Year. Mm -hmm. So why don't you cover Creature of the Week next week? Um, you know, if you need some time to think about it or, or whatever. I do not need time to think about oh, it. I was just oh. I was just uh, chatting with I was just chatting uh, with uh, Rob Demarest the other day about this because he sent me a message asking me, "Hey, what was the uh, Mothman type creature that came before Mothman in Virginia?" And uh, so I think we're gonna have to look at the Flatwoods Monster, which is either a monster, could have been an alien. Nobody really knows for sure, but whatever it was, it scared the hell out of people in the surrounding area. Cool. I look forward to that. And, and with the hotel theme, um, it may end up like Hotel California. You can check mm -hmm. out anytime you like, but you can never leave. And kinda, there's the uh, obligatory dad joke. And, and you know, kind of like my circumstances with this show. That's like I'm trapped in hell with Rick. <laughs> But no, I will and do. I just Rick rolled him. I will do the um, the Hotel Aiken. Um, not only does it have a fitting name, the Hotel mm -hmm. Aiken. Um, its original name was the Holly House, but it was later changed to the Hotel Aiken. 
hey, Steve, I want to stop you there for a second, because when you were talking, I all of a sudden heard a voice say, hey. Really? So, you, yeah, you might want to listen at that. Okay, I'll mark the time. I'll check that out. Um, things have happened. Like, every episode, we've had strange things happening. Hmm. Hold on one second. Yes, uh, hang on a second, but I'm almost done. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's that like the, the teacher from Charlie house. Brown. Uh, so, so anyways, I will do the Hotel Aiken, show some video photo, really cool place. Uh, a room 225 became so haunted that they had mm-hmm. to shut the room down, no longer let people stay in it. And it is now just for housekeeping to store their linens and stuff. And one of the highest magnetic field reads I have ever documented in my life came from that room. Four people died in that room. Four people. So that's going to be interesting. We'll do hotels next week. We've got the ghost watch. We've got the creature. We're locked and loaded. We are. And as following that week, I'm going to, well, we're, I'm sorry, we're going to be welcoming to the show uh, fellow Chicagoan Dale Kazmarek um, mm-hmm. of the Ghost Research Society. He's a really cool cat. And uh, it was his group that took that famous picture at Bachelor's Grove Cemetery back in the 1980s. Mm, yes. uh, it showed the white lady. So yes. we're going to be talking more about that. We're going to be talking about that with Dale. And his, uh, he's, he's an incredibly prolific writer. So, uh, yeah, you know, like I'd like to say, we got some good stuff coming up here in the uh, Shadow Initiative TV. Excellent. Well, with that being said, guys, you have a great night. You guys know where to check out the archives right here at YouTube. Join our group on Facebook. And uh, that looks so real. Did you all see that? That looked What's that? So, like there was a it looked like a person behind you. There it is again. Oh, that's my son. <laughs> <laughs> Cameo. <laughs> yep, he pretty he, he, he like he likes to put those in. So yeah, hey everybody, you know, join us again next week. Hi, bud. Um, for the Shadow Initiative TV, and we're going to be talking about some, uh, you know, good stuff. We're bringing it here. We're bringing it. All right, guys, have a great night. We're out. (laughs) Well, I find it hypocritical on Rick's behalf, just to be clear, because he's always getting on to me about my lame jokes, and then he pulls the stunt like that. The dad jokes. She did start it. That's true. Instigator. Instigator. (laughs) <laughs> uh, edit out any shite <laughs> hey this is the first time we haven't used profanity I'm proud oh, do you no know I've actually used it oh did you oh my god you know Steve uh, Steve and I are both big believers in the word fuck and just how incredibly utilitarian it is. <laughs>